The following content contains adult subject matter, including sensitive material, and is intended for adult consumption only. It may not be suitable for all audiences. Therefore, discretion is advised. Welcome back to Breaking Down. Hi, everybody. Live from New York today. We're in New York. We're at the Spotify Flatbush Studios. I um, forgot how cold New York is, not to be so L.A., but like I'm really complaining a lot about the weather, which feels like I've completed my move to Los Angeles, and now it's time to move back. I miss performing here. If you missed my performances, I'll be back here in a few weeks, and I'll announce them on the podcast next time instead of keeping them to myself and keeping them private. Today on the show, we have comedian Josh Johnson, um, wrote for Fallon, writer for The Daily Show. He's an amazing storyteller, and we really get into it. I was about to go into, I remembered now that we finished taping that I was uh, I was talking about with Josh how sometimes women will do this thing where if someone's hot, they'll kind of project funny onto them. And I'm guilty of that. If I start dating, if I'm dating a hot girl, I'll start telling myself she's funny. Or like she'll have lines that I feel like she's used to getting like a little applause break on. And I'll just fill it in because I want her to be funny so badly. I just, I'll like will someone to being funny and then it'll fade. And I'm like, oh, you're not funny. Anyway, we have Josh Johnson on the show and I love talking to him. And uh, hearing his stories and how he's sees the world and kind of goes about it. So um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was fun. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Breaking down, breaking down, breaking down. It's so professional, isn't it? Yeah, right? Isn't this, it's this real. Is, this is truly next level. It this is. This is every other podcast that I've guested on in the past maybe two weeks yeah. has has definitely been a basement. It's a basement? They yeah. Have, they send out a call sheet. Wow. Isn't that wild? That's, that's crazy. I, that, and, and also, <laughs> it makes me feel like underprepared for being in a space like this. No, I'm not. You know? I'm, I think you were the same level. Well, I've been, hopefully I'm a little more prepared, actually. May I mean maybe, but I'm not even worried about you being prepared. There, there's <laughs> doors here. Like I, there's you have no doors. idea. There, there are basements that I've done podcasts in where I'm like, this could have been a setup. Yeah, no, I know. They could have been like getting ready to like Joe Pesci me and just take me out. Yeah, and like, do you want to do my podcast? In the kneecaps. And uh, I'm so thirsty. I'm like, yeah, sure. Do you want water? No, no, I meant thirsty as a personality. But do you want water? I know, oh, no, but no, it just... I have some water right here. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, good. When I was. I don't like to do a podcast where the podcast gives you homework before. 
Okay. Have you done those? Yes. Where they're like, prepare these 10 questions or like bring in a photo. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm going out of my way to do the show. I don't want to prep and this is negative. It does make me feel like I work there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little much. Yeah. Are you, how heavy are you in the stand up grind right now? I'd say heavy. I feel like you're doing it. Are you doing it every night? I'm doing it. Yeah. Most, most nights. And by it, I mean sex. Oh, mm. Uh, not most nights. Yeah. Like I do stand up lots of nights and then the, the, the latter is not every night. Yeah. Where are you? Are you staffed somewhere now? Yeah. yeah I'm at Daily Show. Okay. I, let's start from the very beginning. Okay. <laughs> Where are you from? I grew up in Louisiana. You grew up in Louisiana. I started comedy in Chicago mm-hmm. and now I live in New York. And did you, was comedy always a thing for you? Yes, in, in in the sense that I moved to Chicago to start doing comedy because there just wasn't much opportunity in Louisiana. Yeah. And then uh, ever since I started, I haven't – I had that like sort of bug, haven't been able to stop sort of thing. Don't take long breaks or anything. Uh, if I don't do it for two weeks, that's like a big deal. You know, that's like a – what was I doing? You know, so I think that for the most part, I'm fairly obsessed yeah. Yeah. What would yeah. be a reason why you're off for two weeks? If I have like a week of vacation on top of a funeral. <laughs> someone you know dies I mean? and you're so trying it's like to enjoy someone, yourself. Someone dies and I also have like a pre-planned vacation. Okay. That will do it. And that's happened a few times. That is That has happened, I think, twice. Where Whoa. I, like It's so convenient of them to die. You never want to think this way. But if someone passes and it is exactly at the time where you truly had nothing going on, <laughs> yeah, that it feel it feels weird. Are there really times when people have nothing going on? Because even, even when I have nothing, I like kind of self create obligation. Yeah, but you're you're like an industrious person. You're like an entrepreneur type. Okay, you know? thank you. I, I think that if someone has very little direction in life, it's very easy to not have anything going on. To be on. floating and just if someone dies, that's kind of convenient. Yeah, yeah. So how old are you when you go to Chicago? 22. You're 22? Yeah. And your stand-up, and I was just talking to Neil about this. Okay. That you're, oh, you're no. a phenomenal storyteller. <laughs> oh, thanks. Like, really amazing. Your pacing is so good. And I'm one, like, have, did you start off telling stories on stage? Or was your stand-up style different when you started? Like, you were like, I'm just going to kind of fuck around with some jokes. I look back at it, and, I, you know, it takes it takes where you've been to get where you are to get where you're going sort of thing. So I know that it's it's a little bit silly to look on like early stand-up with so much regret. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like I started like almost like too clean and jokey and hokey. Mm. Like I start off very like, this, isn't this crazy? And it's like, it just, it felt like I was doing stand-up in like a different decade. And uh-huh. then, then when I started to get more comfortable, be more myself, I started writing about things I actually cared about and I started telling stories. So luckily it didn't take years to do that, but it, it took, you know, it took the better part of the first like six months. And then I was wondering why I was like not liking what I was making. Cause it's like what you make, right. you know? And, and then, yeah, ever since then stories has always been probably one of my favorite aspects of doing comedy, just because I think that, a story then speaks to something that's more timeless mm-hmm. than just the general, this joke is funny because I know who Nikki Haley is or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so then long after I'm gone, there'll still be a funny story that somebody can enjoy, you know? Are you just around people that interesting things are happening 
to oh i got you yeah are you embellishing your friends stories are you so you feel the stories happening to you because i'm things will happen to me and i'm like well i could kind of maybe make that a story but it doesn't just feel i think that the the number one thing that i do that i feel like gives my stories life is that i at least make an attempt to apply intention Mm -hmm. because now intention is interesting so if if something happened that is a nothing thing yeah. But you know the intention of both people behind the nothing thing that happened. Now that's that's a story, you know? Like Get, what does that mean? Um so for instance, there was there was this time that I was I was walking down the street. This is after I got home from a show. Mm-hmm. And there was this woman that was walking in front of me um on on the block had to be like almost half a block ahead of me. Mhm. And so she's like letting someone have it on the phone, mm-hmm. right? Like, like let, like truly, like telling, giving them their whole life in the moment, <laughs> yeah. right? And then as she's doing it, she steps on the grate. Mm-hmm. She's in heels. She steps on the grate, and maybe it's because her feet were so square. I don't know, but she steps into the grate, and yeah. then both heels collapse into the grate, and she falls backwards. Oh God! And it's like that is like a thing that is funny that happened but then i when i tell the story i talk about it in the ways of like every step i get closer to her is a different part of the story Uh because for every step i get closer to her she's trying a different way to get up which makes the story (laughs) funny and then i give you my my understanding of what's happening and then i try to imply some intention i'm like what's it like for the person who's on the phone with her what's it like for her right now this is what it's like for me and so then adding all that that detail there's no real need to embellish then because it's like these are all the 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 idea of what could be happening in someone's mind it's just totally honest yeah and then then it's also I'll, I'll give you an example because I haven't done this. I did in stand up and mm-hmm. I haven't like released it yet. But so I was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I was in the elevator and I realized when I get to that hotel that the hotel is already not nice because I'm not where I need to be in my career. And so the hotel is very okay, right? Yeah. And I'm not even okay. like a diva. I'm not like, oh, this place. I'm just aware that like, there's there's going to be some affairs happening in this hotel in particular. Okay. And so then I'm in the elevator and I realize how long it takes the elevator to get from the first floor to the third floor. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's a while to the point where I thought I was maybe stuck and That's I was like not a stuck. Big fear of mine. It's just really so slow. climbing slowly. That like take that and then fast forward to after the show that night. I'm walking back into the hotel. There's a guy who's running towards the elevators and he doesn't have like a regular run. He's like very like wide-legged with his run. And it's <laughs> deep it's deeply awkward. And then he gets a, the elevator and he's staying at this hotel. He's <laughs> also staying at this hotel and I'm also like there's one elevator so I'm also like I'm going to let him have it. Yeah. I'm not going to try to rush to also make the elevator. I'm going to let him have it. Yeah. And then I get into the little corridor of the, of the lobby where the elevators are mm-hmm. and the door is still open. So I'm like, well, if it's still open, I might as well get on. Yeah. And as I step on, he's still pressing the closed door button. Okay. But now he's looking at me like I've, I've taken it personally that he's closing the door. You haven't. Which, which I don't care. Yeah. But he's looking at me and he says like, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh no. Like he's been caught. Yeah. And, and then <laughs> we let the door close and then maybe like 
one one and a half flights up, yeah. right? So we're mid between second and first. We stop. And we stop, not like we stopped earlier when I was by myself. We stopped like we are stuck. Ugh. And this guy is like, oh no. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like moving weird. And he clearly, and he tells me, but he's like, he clearly has to go to the bathroom, like badly. And so he's like, oh no. And he's like moving around. Is that why he was wide running? The wide running, yeah. And so that wasn't an affect. It wasn't, no, it was just him living, living in his truth in the moment. And as he's moving, it's like when I tell the story on stage, obviously I'm embellishing some of the movement because he's doing some hopping. And he is moving around the whole hop. elevator, but I go overboard with it. So if I'm going to embellish, I feel like physicality is the best way. Yeah. Because then it's like, to me, that makes it funnier without like, well, wait, why would that happen? Or You know what I mean? Like the the best stories that I, at least what I've been told, the best stories that a person can tell are stories where you're answering a question right as someone's asking it in their head. Wait, so what happens? Oh, no. I mean, well, the elevator I'm... got unstuck and then he got off. And he but got then off. I was upset because he did get off the elevator normal. So it's like after all that, like, oh, no, everything. The door opens and he's like, have a good night. And then he just. And I was, he's off. That was that felt crazier to me than even the movement. I don't. What do you think that was? I don't know. I think he was just a weird person. Yeah, he sounds weird. I was in Cleveland and as a as a city, it's not always doing great. Yeah. So who's one of your favorite like storytellers on stage? Roy Wood Jr. tells great stories. So good. And he tells them with the level of like detail that I aspire to where every part of the story is important to the story, but not in a like you have to pay attention closely like a Guy Ritchie movie way. Just uh-huh. every detail is funny. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, Neil was saying that he saw you at a kink storytelling event when he first saw you. Oh, wow. And he said that you you came in with a backpack and you were t- telling talking about a woman who you had gone on a date with okay, or had gone out with. And you then later found out that something along the lines that like she went missing. Oh, this sounds exactly like me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. So it, when I was, when I was in Chicago, Uh I went on a date with a woman and while we were walking on her date, we passed an old missing poster of her. No. Yeah. So and that's, it's, that's and it's one not, of the things I'd hear you say that I'm like, how are you living that kind of life? Sure. Sure. One, I don't stay at home. One, I, one is like just You're being out, out to like notice things is being out, right? Okay. But then also most things that I find, I, and I know that they, they sound crazy, but most things are very explainable. Like most things, like, cause even with me, I was like, is that you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then she's like, oh yeah. So a long time ago, her ex-boyfriend, she, she went and uh, she broke up with her ex-boyfriend. Then he was like, oh my gosh, you have to take me back, whatever. She thought he was going to like do something drastic. So she just went ahead and left and went with him, but didn't tell anybody where she was going. Mm-hmm. And then was with him for like a day and a half. Her family freaking out, put up missing posters way too soon, put up missing posters like once they could not reach her. And so I was a like, few hours maybe? I guess a few hours because she was because she told she told as if she was gone for like a day and a half or something. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. So not even the police would not have left yet. Right. You know what I mean? But isn't it something like 48 hours? Something like that. And they're dead. That is okay. I think that's right. Because so then if anything, you should get those posters up. There's such a weird window because they they're like, we're not going to look until it's been a day. But if it's been two days, you're you're definitely dead. (laughs) 
So that that's a very good point. I've never thought about that before. So maybe get started a little earlier. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, the whole reason I tell the story on stage is that I'm like, it's crazy how no one ever takes the responsibility among themselves to take the, the missing poster down. Right. Whether that person is found or unfortunately found dead, the missing poster stays up. Oh, like like the the same person who was like, my cousin's missing, my cousin's missing. They don't then take it upon themselves to be like, okay, I have to re-canvas the block taking these down because we found him. Do you don't you think that's because most of the time when you're if you're putting up those posters, you're not going to find them? Yes. But I feel like especially if they come home. Yeah, it, you, you, you kind of do kinda like a victory gotta, lap and take them all down. Yeah, you got to because also that means that this person is also just walking around having to take them down themselves. Right, right. right. Did she I mean? take it down when she passed with you or you guys just left it up? That's a good question. I think she took it down, but I was just like, there's something really funny about her taking that down with yeah, you. Yeah, just on, being And like, this is a date? This is a date. Yeah. <laughs> do you it's think horrible. that's a red flag? I think I think it's a red flag for her family more so than her. So I think it's more of a red flag when things get serious than just for her as an individual. Because anybody could put up a missing poster at anybody. Right. You know? Right. It's not technically on you. No, it's not. Yeah. I That would freak me out. And is that a Chicago date? Yeah. Where Most you- of my horrible dates in life were in Chicago. Tell me about a really bad one. If, okay, if it's okay, I'll I'll pivot real quick because the thing I thought of first yeah. is a New York date. Okay. So when I first moved here, mm-hmm. I got my identity stolen and, and got the call from Chase. Remember when they used to call you mm-hmm. to be like, hey, do you have any activity, blah, blah, before they did the text thing? Yes. So they called me. My date had just gone to the bathroom <laughs> and and they called me and they were like, hey, are you buying ski equipment in Arizona? I'm like, well, no, I'm in New York. And they're like, oh, then your card has a fraudulent charge on it. We're going to have to turn it off. Uh-huh. Now, this is also before I had a business, before I had anything going on. Mm-hmm. And I also moved to sh- moved to New York, not necessarily broke, but just like with the money that I had, mm-hmm. right? So I only have one card. So then the woman is telling me, like, there's a fraudulent charge. We have to shut down your card. And I was like, I'm on a date right now. Can you please just wait? like an hour to shut my car. Like, right. like, let them steal a little bit longer <laughs> if you have to. And she's like, well, sir, now you've admitted that it's not you. Like, you I can't let fraudulent charges rack up on your car. I'm like, ready to car. I'm like, please. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm like telling her about my day. I'm like, look, I just moved to this city. I don't know a lot of people. It's going okay. Like, just please don't do this. Yeah. And it's like, that was not necessarily, you know, anyone's fault that the date was going horribly. But luckily, uh, she didn't, she wasn't like shutting it off as we were on the phone. Right. She made it sound like something she was going to do after we hung up. So I'm so like, like waving at the, the server. I'm like, I'm like, and then she's talking. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, Georgia now, Georgia now. Yeah, you know I mean? that's a good and idea. So, so then we ended up being okay. But then, yeah, that that's one of those things where it's like, reasonably, mm-hmm. if someone comes back from the bathroom, you can't be like, you won't believe who just called. Yeah. Right. The bank, and it's an issue because they even admit that I have the money. I got the money for the fraudulent charges, but I just don't have. Yeah. And you know, I don't carry cash. So can, that, you, can you get this? That's like, brutal. Yeah. But at yeah. least your car. I mean, I thought when she went to the bathroom, she was doing something with your card. No. That's what no, I was no, no. expecting. Would that, that would actually be more interesting. No, this was just bad timing. Bad timing. Yeah.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Do you feel because you're a comedian, you're a storyteller, all these things, you are carrying a lot of the dates with just like you, like, is that how? Oh, I mean, maybe. I feel like the number one thing that I think about when I'm like telling a story is about what makes it interesting and what makes it funny, you know? And mm -hmm. even if I'm telling a story where the general subject matter or something is not funny at first, I'm like, what is interesting and funny about this thing? Mm -hmm. Because I think that most of what even makes someone want to listen to a story is that it's en engaging. Right. Whenever someone ends with a you had to be there thing, I'm like, so we just wasting time. Yeah. We just, we just wasted people's lives. You had to be there feels like a Band-Aid though. Like you you thought it was going to go well. Yes. You thought this would land. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I, gu I guess you had to be there often how that's prefaced. Yeah. yeah. I thought I'd be able to land that plane. You, you had to be there is usually just code for like, I'm really sorry I told you this story. Yeah. I thought something else was going to happen. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes I feel that dates, I'll have a good, and I'm not saying this to stroke my own ego, because I don't even feel like I'm so entertaining, but I will feel sometimes that the reason a date was good is because I was there. Yeah, you know? I mean, but, but I and think it's that, like, well, that's not what I want. That's, that's not bad, though. I think that, I think people need to be more honest with themselves about things like that, because- one of the things that I think happens a lot and is, is kind of sad is is when someone thinks that they love a person, but they just love the way that person makes them feel because that person is kind of just a canvas. How bad is that really, though? I think it's bad because if the person who is being the canvas is like, you don't like me. OK, well, yeah, if they're aware of the fact that they're go. a canvas. Yeah, yeah. It, no, but if they don't know, if they don't know, yes, then it's not hurting away. anybody. Yeah, paint away. But I just mean I've... I've had a couple friends who have had to tell their ex, like, you don't like me. Yeah. Like, I think you like having someone. But as far as like me, this isn't it. Yeah. I can tell you don't like me. Ooh, that's true. That I, I, hits with me. Yeah. What was it hit with you? I just because I feel like it's a, a hard, I, I was even thinking this when I sorry to my cousin who I'm going to blow up her spot on her about her wedding. But I went to her wedding. OK. Two weeks ago. Mm hmm. And I thought her vows were amazing. Okay. And I love your husband. I thought his vows 
were all about him in a okay. way in a way that like I m- what I would think my expectation is that you're acknowledging the other person for who they are. Mm-hmm. You're not saying, wow, Josh, you make me feel like I like in a way it's then like loses. Do you know? Like, oh, I feel like it's oh, should... so the vow. So you're saying his vows were less. I'm going to commit to do these things and more like you make me feel so special. You make me feel like a king. Yeah. And I, and, oh, okay. And I kind of feel like that, like that's nice. And yeah. I'm glad that, that, that he has that. But I also feel like it has nothing to do with the type of human being she is or okay. like how she shows up in the world and him just acknowledging that. And I think that's more beautiful. Now, do you think yeah. that he accidentally mixed up <laughs> his speech with his vows? Like, do you think like like later at the reception, was he like, I promise, <laughs> I, promise <laughs> I promise to look out for you for the rest of our lives? Yeah. I probably you're like, did he mix? I know. But is, is that how wedding vows should be? Or is it am I making this up? No, I don't think you're making it up. I, I, a vow is a commitment. So you're stating what you commit. Right. So then if you're just like sort of saying how they make you feel, it's very sweet, but it's not necessary you know what it would well, be like right. vows are commitments it would be like if you had to swear on the book of ethics in court yeah. and instead of saying i swear to tell the truth the whole truth nothing but the truth you were like i love america america made me feel <laughs> like the best that's ever lived you know what i mean like right. america number got one. me out here yeah number one all day i wish france would like <laughs> you'd be like all right i appreciate the the, the like tacit patriotism, whatever, but you were supposed to tell the truth and promise to tell the truth right now. It's like, man, fireworks dope. It's like, all right. But I think you get that mixed, like in dating, like the initial stages of dating, you, you don't really see who that person is. Like you're going off of initially how you feel around them. Yeah. yeah, And then you have to piece it together retrospectively. Like I've fallen in love with people who 10 months in, I'm like, wait, you suck. So you you fell in love within the the time. I always do that. Really? So like, you fall in love quickly. Yeah. Really? I think that's a lesbian thing. Okay, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard I've heard of things moving quickly with lesbians, but I I didn't know if it was like a um, the security that comes with like right. more established relationships, or you're saying it's like no, we immediately fall in love. Well, I'm calling it love. Okay. But it's probably not really love. Got you, got you. I, have you ever been in love and then looked back and been like, that wasn't love? I don't I don't think so. But that's just because I, I think that for love, there are a few established things that I think I would need to say that I love someone mm-hmm. that are, are just probably on the more personal side for me where I'm like, if there hasn't been enough time for these things to happen, then I may like someone very much, but I don't know if I can call it love in that way. Oh, like what? Um, I don't I don't cry often, mm-hmm. but if I know that I can cry in front of you, that's like one thing Selfish. to like. Yeah, right, right. But that's one thing to like tick off the checkbox of like, this is how much I can emotionally trust you. Because for something that I do maybe three times a year, you're wow. not going to be weird about it. You three know what I mean? times a year. I think so. Yeah. And that's during that funeral vacation week. Funeral vacation week, you know, and that's <laughs> two or three right there. Yeah. Right. But but I feel like that's a at least at least with guys, that's a, a real thing that happens. It's very unfortunate is that, yes, we're all 
more open and, and talking about therapy and like being mentally healthy and being, you know, like spiritually well and all that stuff like that. But in the relationship dynamics of a lot of straight couples are still all of the uh, sort of like traditional patriarchal tendon, like like tendencies that I think people think that they're past, but they're not really past. Mm. And I've had plenty of uh, women that I'm friends with talk about how they didn't know what to do when their dude like busted out crying in front of them or something like they like like as much as we are like men don't express us all that stuff they, they also don't want that they i don't know if they necessarily want it and they also i think aren't prepared for the ways it's going to show itself it's like when we say that we want something from a person mm-hmm. we want it from them the way that we're willing to receive it. We're mm-hmm. not necessarily wanting it from them in whatever form it takes. So you're ready for this dude to cry in front of you at a funeral or something. You're not ready for him to cry in front of you about the Rams. <laughs> like, right. th- like that Like that will be like, is he really crying right now? But it's like, but yes, this is whatever the thing is that makes him cry. He's supposed to be emotionally vulnerable and cry. Yeah. Everyone cries about stupid stuff. This sports team losing just happens to be the thing that gets him. And then in that moment, which as as silly as it sounds, is like a pretty big moment the first time someone cries in front of you. If you botch that, there's a level of trust you're just never going to achieve, I think. Oh, whoa. I think. I think You can't you know, recover from it. I'm not saying you can't recover. And I'm not saying that someone couldn't recover if it, if it happened. Yeah. Like, let's say I, I could still be understanding and forgiving of like, oh, they just weren't prepared that I was going to cry. Have you cried at the Rams? No, no, no. I don't. I don't follow at? football at all. But okay. but that was just my example because yeah, I feel like that. I feel like for the most part you can come back from it if you maybe acknowledge that maybe you didn't handle it the best. Mm-hmm. But I think just waiting for them to cry again and hopefully it's something more serious is not the way to go. Yeah. Because now if they couldn't cry to you, you about something dumb, then something that actually affects them, they're going to be even less inclined to open up. To you specifically. Yeah. I think that's such a good point that like, and I think women are too hard on men about like the things that they, they want or the things they associate with an evolved man Mm -hmm. and then how it will show up there. They'll be disappointed or frustrated or they'll put a judgment around it. I think a lot about women, a lot of my girlfriends talking about wanting their man to be aggressive and take initiative. And then there's this big like social commentary on like men needing to like listen and be much less aggressive, Mm -hmm. but then sexually or just like in early romantic dating stages, wanting a man to show up in this really powerful way where he takes charge and he takes initiative physically. And like that, I would be very conflicted as a man. I'm not, I mean, look, consent, I understand consent. Yes Mm -hmm. is yes, no is no. But I still feel like there would be a lot of confusion around like, when should I kind of show up it with force. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's always going to be these these several points and and it, I think it's why it's relationships will always be this sort of rich uh oil field for comedy because there's there's so much um there's so much hypocrisy and there's so much uh I guess you could say like but if mm-hmm. in anything anyone says about dating ever. So then there there're all these lists of of things that you shouldn't accept or things that you shouldn't do or whatever. And you could put a little asterisk at the bottom of all these lists and it just, the asterisk can just say, but if you're hot, like, like totally. I think that that the fact that attraction, and I said this to a friend the other night, I was like, attraction is definitely a factor in any 
romantic endeavor. It's like it, you have to be attracted to the person at least at some some stage. Mm-hmm. But it, expecting expecting attraction to lead you to healthy or true love yeah. is like expecting your taste buds to lead you to a good diet. It's like Oof. you're 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 gonna get yourself killed. <laughs> Broccoli loses to to candy every time, right? Like, and this is as someone who likes vegetables. I'm still not, like I'm still like guys, y'all aren't touching them. Yeah. They're literally not real food. They're just made to taste good, and that's how Whoa. a lot of people are. Like that's I think a good one. Josh. I think a lot of people just don't realize that. Your attraction is like you directly being in your way for all the things that you say you want. Yeah. You're directly in your way, you know? Oh, that's a pain in the ass. No, it sucks. And it's not, and it's not any like one type of person doing it. I've, I've watched it happen with legitimately all of my friends. Not you though? No, with me. But I just mean like every step of the way at every age group. When I was in high school, when I was in college, when I moved to Chicago, when I moved to New York, mm-hmm. all the friends that I made, it's such a human thing that we all trip up on it. So there's no there's no reason to uh, be hard on yourself about it. It's just something to be very aware of. Yeah. Of like, and some of it's so blatant. Some of it's blatant enough where I have been like, dude, like, do we, do we even have to have a conversation? Uh-huh. It's like, like the classic example is mm-hmm. like, they will just fall in love with strippers but then be like, but she doesn't want to quit stripping and be with me. And it's like, bro, mm-hmm. she makes money every night. Why would she? Why would she just want to be at home mm-hmm. with you? Like, I'm not saying I don't think you're a good friend, but like, I don't think you beat Vegas. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think you top the lifestyle that she has. You know, and right. um, that's not to say that that certain people don't want certain things specific times in their life. But that's just, that's such an obvious one. That's like a, you went to a place where people make money by being nice to you. Yeah. You fell in love with someone who was paid to be nice to you. So Ari, you don't know if the, if the veil is, is real or not. Mm -hmm. And then if you do end up dating, you're surprised when for work, she is nice to other people. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're like, she won't stop being nice to other people. I can't believe, I only met her being nice to me and me paying. Like, why is this happening? And it's like, you're directly in your own way. There's nothing that can be said about it that's, that's, like, you can't even put it on her. She was just living her life. And then you came and you were like, but you mean it when you say it to me, right? That is, that is also such an ego game. I think it feels so good. It would feel so good mm-hmm. to have a woman who is a sex worker or a stripper choose you. Mm-hmm. You get to be the thing that changes someone. You get to be the reason someone redesigns the paradigm yeah. with which they live their life. Yeah. That's a huge hit. It is. And and I think that likewise, that's why you find like um, the amount of like I can change hymns mm-hmm. that are also out there because mm-hmm. it's like this dude is, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, a piece of shit. And then he wasn't, he turned his whole life around for me. Like he wasn't a piece of shit for me. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, first of all, I've known a lot of people. I go out of my way to meet people. I take 
Uber, I, t- I take Uber shares, you know, I'm always chatting people up, you know, sometimes two at a time. It is to make friends, but it's also like. That's wild, Josh. Yeah. But but then people, this is, this is the thing. <laughs> and this is why you have good stories. Yeah. It's literally from that. You're like, saying even, yes Even my co-host that I do my podcast with is like, how is stuff always happening? I'm like, but I'm always out talking to strangers. Mm. So it's like. And I'm very open about like a person told me this story, mm-hmm. a person like this happened to someone else. It's like I'm not the center of all these stories, you know, but in those scenarios, I've met a lot of people and I feel like I only ever watch. I know I'm not an old man, but I feel like I've only ever met like four dudes who have changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Change is like something you make yourself like that that's something you have to want. Yes. And I think someone expecting someone to change for them almost never works out. Right. People aren't going to change. They'll maybe slowly reveal who they really are. That's usually not a great change. Yeah. And they'll adjust it maybe, but they're not going to like change. Yeah. Is because what are we changing from? It's like I've, I've, I had one friend in particular that dated someone for years Mm -hmm. and was like, and you could tell he was a project because she would apologize for him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like I, I'm sorry about that. Like, we're working on the fact Ugh. that he has it, you know, whatever, right? We're working on it. It's, it's, it's him. We're working on it, though, right? Yeah. That's how you can tell he's like a project to change. Yeah. Um, and after a while, I was like, it's been eight months and he still drank too much. So I think I think the change is is Chung. Like, I don't I don't know if there's anything that could be happening yeah. extra than's happening now. Yeah. He drinks a little less than when you met. Yes. But still way too much. Yeah. So it's like if you knocked him down from from eight <laughs> drinks to seven, did you really change him? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Also, it's just like, do you really want to be like you want to be hyper vigilant? Like, that's how you want to be in relationship. You just want to yeah. be policing someone else. You can't feel good in that situation. Yeah, yeah. And that and that's why I think so many people, which, I don't know, therapy is a double-edged sword. Because it's like, when you open when you open your life and yourself up to therapy and up to those changes, I think that's great for a person who's entering it in a sincere way. Mm-hmm. But for everyone else, you are just giving more tools for people to be diabolical. Because now... That like 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 now people are going to therapy, and they'll lie. And oh then, yeah! And so now the therapist who doesn't know them is getting to know them. Doesn't know that they've lied about a key thing. So now the therapist is giving them advice, which is only reinforcing the story they're telling themselves mm-hmm. off of a lie. I. That's a huge clusterfuck. Yeah, and so it's like now you have someone who is like. In a in a, a the toxic person in a relationship, but they're going to therapy, and then they're like, "Well, my therapist said that I need to take up for myself, and my form of taking up for myself is letting you know right now that you're being selfish." Yeah. Even though, and it's like, but you but you lied. Like all of this stuff is based off the lie. Yeah, you know, it's reminding me of the Jonah Hill boundaries text that everyone flipped out about. I mean, Jonah Hill. This is my thing with that that whole thing. Yeah, I think. Jonah just clearly should not have been dating her. Yeah. Like, I think that it's exactly like the stripper thing I said before. It's like, this is how I met you. And I liked it. Mm-hmm. But now that I look around, I realize, all right, this isn't just for me. So now someone else might like you. And you went with me off of liking you. So maybe you'll go with someone else. You know, like, I didn't even, I guess, analyze it as much as other people. I more thought of it as like cut and dry. You shouldn't be dating. 
Right. If you have a problem with the fact that she's a surfer and a model. Yeah. It's like, it's like, then don't, you got to find a librarian. Yeah. Because some librarians, I'm sure that they're freaks out here. Like you can probably still be getting, you know what I mean? But, but the thing of like, why are you posting it to Instagram? It's like, come on. Why are you doing a junk at Jonah? Like, 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 I think she did that. She what? tried to. She posted the text. To no, try and no. Take I'm him. saying. I'm saying. He was asking her, "Why are you posting bikini oh. photos and stuff to Instagram?" Yeah, it's like the same, the way, same way you found her. Yeah, and and also the same way that you promote your movies. It's like, right? I surf, and then here's a video of me surfing. Yes, that I do for work because I work there. You know. Yeah, it really is like the initial attraction thing, though. Of like when I feel the most firework chemistry, like, oh, this is so hot. This is so exciting. Mm-hmm. It usually is a sign that this isn't the right relationship for me. So will you think that intense infatuation is a sign that it shouldn't For be me, really? personally, if it's so intense, uh-huh. it's usually not good for me. But what, what would you call intense? I've had experiences where I'll think this person is like, we have an amazing connection and we end up dating and whatever, we'll date for a while. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Even if we don't end up together forever, like that led to something. It leads to something, but I've had like an initial spark just be fire that burns down my house. Yes. Okay. I, I see what you mean. Or I'm like, I'm drawn to you in like a trauma bond way. Like you're reminding me of all of the things that have yes. hurt me and that's really exciting. And like, this is intense, but also like I'm tired, I'm 30 and I want consistency. Yeah. And, and I think that there's always something enticing about like, especially if something is a, a sort of trauma bond or something that happened in childhood and it's, and it's, you're reenacting the entire thing, but this time you might be able to fix it. Mm-hmm. It must feel like time travel. It must feel like you see these movies about people like <laughs> so going funny. back in time yeah. and then being like, I just have to like push my dad out of the way and then the car won't hit him and then I'll have a dad. And it's like, <laughs> and then you go back to the present and it's like by saving your dad's life, you just got beat a bunch because you never met him. And it turns out he was a horrible bastard or something. Right, right, right. It's like that, that thing is what feels like it's, it's being enacted. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I have this question for you because mm-hmm. I, I guess I have not had someone to to talk to about this with in this specific way. Yeah. Because you do comedy, mm-hmm. do you think that that is affecting the type of people that approach you, the way that they perceive you and your relationship at large? Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I feel that recently the women I've dated are, they don't know me without knowing first social media. Oh, I see. Like, I'm not, I don't often, like, the women that I feel like I'm meeting organically. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't on a dating app. Well, it was on Instagram. Yeah. So that's not real. That's like a caricature of me. Yeah. Or that's like a curated picture of me. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, some parts of it I feel are authentic. Like, I do show up as funny like I want to have a fun time with Mm -hmm. people which Mm -hmm. that feels consistent in my personal life but I'm also like anxious a lot and neurotic neurotic and I have a high level of like neuroticism um but I feel that women also in general if they're interested in like comedians they're interested in also like a lot of like attention like the shininess of comedy not like the fact that like comedy also is like gross yeah, yeah. Not the fact that someone might be mentally ill. Yeah, like yeah. the mental illness and the yeah. basements and yeah. all of that stuff. But like, don't don't you feel that when women are drawn to you and they know about your job or the industry, they think that that's shiny and exciting and like that part of it, not the underbelly of it. 
Sure. I, yes, I, I think that that's right. I guess my my main reason that I'm asking as well is that I had a conversation with a friend about how she she was basically saying she's also a comedian, and she was saying that at least with with men who want to date their comedians, women will approach them after the show, or if they approach a woman after the show, the woman's very impressed if they did well and everything yeah. like that. Whereas with women to men, yeah. men aren't seeking women who are like the center of everything and the you know totally and. And not only do I feel like is that true, it speaks to a different thing that really bothers me. This is like this is like maybe like one of my top tier comedy complaints uh-huh. is that everyone thinks that they want us as as comics, but no one really does when you think about it. Like like this is this is my thing of of how yes, there are women that will approach you after a, a show or something, mm-hmm. but to to actually date them is is a different thing and it is akin to like stripping like as like as a as a comedian i'm basically a stripper right so if someone meets me at the strip club and they're like i like what you do i think that i think that's really cool mm-hmm. but you would quit for me right it's like nah i strip <laughs> this is what do, i do what do you mean they want you to quit like i think that once people realize especially in a in like a relationship from a man's perspective mm-hmm. towards a woman. Mm-hmm. I think that once a lot of women who are interested in comedians realize what a commitment comedy is, oh, yeah. and then at any point having to cancel plans or at any point feeling like they're not the priority, most people would not sign up for that at all. So then it's like, yes, it's an interesting thing, but just like the the sort of stripper analogy, it's like, Yes, but this you're you're talking about my job. You're talking about literally what I do to make a living and what I like to do. And you would want me to put that on the back burner, but you met me doing it and that's what what made you like me. Yeah. So it's actually a sort of like vicious circle because then when I cease to be the person that attracted you, I will also not be attractive. So by me doing less comedy, being unhappy, being right. like less of myself, what what are you what do you like now? Yeah, you want to just you know cage I mean? me and amputate the part that you're in. Yeah, and then for for women that at least this is how I've been been told about. It, but th- another thing I've watched um, is that yes, men don't necessarily approach you, but they might think that it's cool that you do comedy in mm-hmm. in the background sort of way and have very similar like yeah, but you would like cut it out it's if we hobby. were together. Yeah, it's a hobby, right? And then when you take comics out of it for a second and you look at just the lay person, it's going to sound however it sounds. And I don't mean for it to be offensive, but it's what I've watched. As a person who is funny for like a living, yeah, it's very frustrating when I have friends, like girlfriends, they're just friends, right? Mm-hmm. Will tell me about a guy. A lot of women just make a good looking dude funny. And it's like, he's not funny. Totally. I guarantee you he's not funny. And then they'll be like, you should meet him. He's so funny. And then I'll meet him and he will be the most bland white sock of a person I've ever met. <laughs> and they're like, and they're, person? and it's because he's like six two and they can look up at him that they're like, he's funny. Yeah. He's like interesting. And it's like, I guarantee you he's not. I'm guilty of this. Really? Because, okay. And also I'm so, I have so much to say. One is I'm grateful I'm not straight in this sense only because men do not like when women are standups. They're not attracted to it. Mm-hmm. They're too loud. They're too aggressive. They're the center of it. It is a turn. It, it It's not standing in conventional ideas of femininity. Mm-hmm. And that does put a lot of men off. Whether or not that's good or bad, 
I don't know. But I, mm-hmm. a lot of my female comedian friends struggle with dating. Mm-hmm. I think it emasculates men. Yes, yes, because just like that man example I just gave. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the women who do stand up, a lot of guys will say, like, I just want a girl that can hang. Like, I just want somebody that's chill. Yeah. But you don't want anyone who can hang better than you, because then when you bring her around, you bring her to the barbecue and she's making everybody laugh. And she's like this, like this, like beacon in the middle of the room. Now it's like, how how are you going to make my friends laugh? And I brought you. Yeah. I brought you. How you? How you gonna? It's like, who are you now? Yeah, exactly. So that I think that's, that's exactly right. It's like, it, I think a lot of people see it as this deeply emasculating thing where they're like, "All right, she's she's funny and she can hang," but then what I think a lot of people mean when they say that mm-hmm. is someone who's like kind of quiet. Yeah. Yeah. You know totally. I mean? Whatever they're like, I just want a girl Pam that can Jim like from hang. The office. Yes. Yes. Pam's a white fucking sock. Yeah. She sucks. She really does suck. She's boring. Are you also like anti Jim and Pam? I don't know why. I can't stand them. Okay. I've never. This is my thing. You too? Yes. And then people look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, y'all don't even understand. You're rooting for like. That's Jim's canvas. Yes. Yes. Thank you for getting it. Because I've had this argument with so many people and totally. they're like, no, it's sweet. I'm like, look, if you want to talk about what really happened. They emotionally cheated, then they physically cheated, and then they got together, and you rooted for them the whole way because they wrote it that way. Yeah. But it's like for the Roys of the world who are just like, oh, yeah, I maybe they're not the most like uh, emotionally intelligent or romantically adept people. Yeah. But they're still a person. Yeah. So it's like you would feel so terrible if you were Roy and or, – or like – or if, if – uh, you were remember when Amy Adams was on that boat with them, uh-huh. and then Amy Adams was like, "Why'd you even bring me here?" And Jim, not even looking at her, he's like, "I don't know. We should break up." Not even looking at her. Yeah. And I'm like, "This is bad, bad, bad." Yeah. Pa- I mean, Pam becomes this vessel for Jim to just. Jim has an audience. She's cute. She's subservient. She'll basically do. She'll give up her art career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She'll. She'll make a million concessions and it's also so that it's, Jim can be mediocre. Yeah, it's also very okay that she gave up her art career because she was never that good at it anyway, even yeah. though there are whole episodes where people are like, that's really good. That was so vague. Like her like art, like she like half pursued that. Yeah, yeah. it's really, they're, they just kind of are really mediocre. It's crazy how that is. And everyone's like, they're amazing. I know, like that's what people really aspire to be. And I'm like, I guess- it reminds me of like the start of Annie Hall when Woody Allen's like, I don't understand how two people can be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, are you not questioning yourself constantly? How do two people make it work? And then it cuts to that couple and they're like, well, we have no thoughts at all. And that's kind of just how yeah. this goes. Yeah. But um, I do you bring dates to your shows ever? Um, So I've been with my girlfriend for six years now. Oh, my God. And so she will. Six years. Okay. Yeah. And she'll come to shows if it's the show. That I, I've I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, I know I've been doing it long enough mm-hmm. and I know where the good shows are. Yeah. I'll tell you when to come. Yes. Okay. There's a place in Chicago. Yes. And it is one of, is it's one of the worst open mics in America. Okay. It's so bad. I don't know if it's still happening, but I won't say the name just in case it's still happening because there are a couple of people who work on it. They're very sweet. Okay. But. Just know it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And nobody comes except the comics who are who are on it and and people 
who are trying to get a quick drink and then walk out. So the the patrons of the bar don't stay in the bar. They oh. they literally walk in, order their shot, take the shot, and then walk out. Okay. Um, and so then there's just the comics on the show, the bartenders, and a security guard who hates all of us. Like he, like we feel like karaoke to him. Mm-hmm. If you even get him to chuckle, you know you have like a closer. Wow. Like he was, and this is all you know in twenty. 14 or 15 that this was happening, mm-hmm. but like just really, he he hates us. And so it's not a good- So the comics are performing to each other. They're performing to each other and it's- As is most open mics. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not it's not a show, but sometimes they call it a show. Sometimes it's a mic. It's very weird. But there's a, a woman who would go up there a lot who I can only describe as like, I've, I've never met someone who has so consistently stayed pregnant. She has been <laughs> she's been pregnant every time that I saw her and I was in Chicago for years. And wow. and it was like it it was interesting, but her and her husband were just like Knocking always having kids and her husband would come with her to everything. Every single thing and every mic I saw her at, he was at and I was like, "Don't come to a mic as well." And then any show I was at on her, he would be at, which is like both very sweet and also like a little insane because she she was I felt like she was funny, but she was also like not writing at a pace where this is going to be interesting for you to see eight times this week. Right. You know? Yeah. And and so anyway, they're there. Right. There's a guy who no one can tell if he's like actually like living on the street or if he just looks disheveled mm-hmm. and no one knows what happened before this happened. But out of nowhere, the bartender's like, that's it. You're cut off. You're done. Right. And then he's like, you think that's going to stop me? You think that's going to stop me? And then he reaches in his gym bag. And I'm and like, everyone's sure it's going to be a gun. He reaches in his gym bag, pulls out a Milwaukee beer, shakes it up, and then sprays the bar with it. Right. Okay. And then goes to run out. Creative. As he's running out, they must have called the cops on him like 20 minutes ago, what, however long ago, because he, he runs out. And he's as he's trying to get ready to run out, the husband of the pregnant woman oh. gets in front of the door and he built he built like me, but shorter. <laughs> right. And so he he gets in front of the door. And he's like, can't let you leave, pal. Whoa. OK. And then the and then the dude who is like by the time he stands up to run out is clearly like six something. Right. Mm-hmm. He just goes, wow, you're, you're brave. And then he grabs his his collar and his belt and threw him out of the way. Oh my and God. Like it was nothing as well. Like a just travel like, bag. Yeah. Just threw him out of the way and then runs out. As he's running out, maybe like a minute later, the cops run in and they're putting the flashlights in people's faces and they're like grabbing a couple people and everything. Cause mm-hmm. I guess they're going off whatever description or something. And now at this point, the the cops are in there. The comics are in there. And so the host goes around to everybody and because she notices that there's never been more people in the bar. So she's like, we're going to start the show. We're going to start the show. We're going to start the show. Everybody yeah. sit down. We're going to start the show. And then she tries to start the show yelling over the Sorry. cops getting the statement from the bartenders. So they're like, yeah, he just ran out like five minutes ago. She's like, I bought a computer recently. It's, <laughs> it's like so chaotic. Yeah. Um, And I said all that to say that he shouldn't be coming to every show. Like, he should not yeah. be going to every show. Yeah, her husband is clearly but look, coming to too many like, shows. Yeah, I, I love the fact that she's so pregnant so consistently. It is wild. Some women will like, they like 
will claim that when they're finally with the guy, they'll be like, I want four and four. Wow. I want four kids in four years. Wow. And they just want to crank them out. I they have that, that. But do you don't, do you have children? No. Are you going, do you want them? I'm like, I'm very on the fence. Does your girlfriend want them? She is also on the fence. There's a real biological hunger that kicks in for some women. It, there, there is. And, and, you know, I think when it comes to, to kids, there's just a level of like, I was also having this conversation um, a while back. There, there's a level of self-actualization and self-awareness that I think a person should reach before they engage in, in having a kid at all. Oh, that would be the ideal. It would be ideal. And I, and I don't know if I'm there yet. So that's some of my reservation. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't want to selfishly pursue success at the expense of a person that you invited to the party. You know what I mean? Like totally. That's, that feels crazy to me. Yeah. Um, so that's some of my own stuff that I'm like always thinking about in, in a way of like, not even so much, do I want kids? Do I not want kids? More like, do I like who I'm becoming enough to be an example for another person? You know? Well, that's responsible. I guess so. But I mean, I have the luxury of not having the kids, so I, I can think about it. Yeah. You know? I loved your bit about Jada. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, thank you. Because, and I mean, you do, I'm going to do the bit a disservice by like <laughs> paraphrasing, but like this idea that we know so much about Jada Pinkett Smith mm -hmm. and no one's ever looked her up. Yeah. No one's asked for this information. Yeah. Yeah. I Were you surprised that she was like, I, I couldn't believe that during that slap, they were separated. They've, that's in that. Mm -hmm. How could it be crazier? That feels yet, like you you need to take this to the grave. Like 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 y'all can have your own personal arrangement or whatever, but the fact that the slap happened and now you're telling us that you weren't together when it happened, it's like, oh my God. Like this is it's made it more I didn't think it could be crazier. Right. Because while it was happening, I I feel like all of us were Lupita. Like while it was happening, we totally. were all like I, do you think Will wouldn't have slapped Chris Rock if Chris Rock was bigger? No, nah, I think he would have still done it. Really? If it was think, like John think, Cena? Yeah, I think he would have just bent his knees more to get out of the way for a rebuttal. If it was Chappelle, would he have hit back? I think Chappelle would have easily. You think would have knocked him out? That's a good question. I don't know. Chappelle's got a lot more weight on him now. I think, I think Chappelle would have swung back, and I don't think that— will have the stance for someone who was ready for a return. <laughs> yeah, you know true. what I mean? Like, yeah. like in the freeze of it, he's like this. So like you've got no guard. You're up. right. It was you know like I mean? that. It was a dip. Yeah. You've got no guard. You've got nothing going now. So if Chappelle even uses the the lean back to rear back for a right hook, you're probably you're the one that's going to get knocked out. Because you saw when Chappelle got attacked at the Hollywood Bowl, he has good fighting hips. Uh -huh. <laughs> like he he swerved on that dude. Fighting hips? <laughs> that dude, because the dude went for him for like a real tackle and Chappelle fully. He's muscle. Yeah. He's yeah. muscle and movement. Yeah. So I think my takeaway is that the key to storytelling is living life. Um. Sure. Getting out into the world and being of the world might make yeah. it better to tell stories of the world. Yeah, because I think that so much happens in New York that yeah. it's very hard not to. Like if you really did just go, because even when I used to work at Tonight Show, uh -huh. I would leave work and then not walk home because I lived in Brooklyn, but I'd walk most of the way. Like I would go on these like long walks and just, just like look around. Just to be out and about? Just to be out, yeah. Especially if I didn't have a show. 
Because at the time I was like single. Um, I, and if I didn't have a show, I didn't have anything until work tomorrow. So, so you don't have that thing walk. inside of you begging to be in bed? Um, if I'm depressed, yeah. Is that just a depression thing? But are you not? So you're just the opposite of a homebody. You're not like, I have a free day. I want to stay home, be on my couch, be cozy. I, I mean, now that I'm with my girlfriend, I do like being at home. Yeah. But especially if she has plans and I have time, even in between shows, I'll just take like a long walk. Like the amount of, the amount of, um, just humanity happening in New York is is too much. Like people people think that I have a lot of stories and I have crazy stories or whatever. And I'm I promise you I'm literally just paying attention. Just walking around with no headphones on for an hour in New York. I'm not saying you're gonna see something crazy, mm-hmm. but you're gonna you're gonna see something that's gonna make you think about something. Yeah. Like I've seen so many I've seen so many couples argue and it and they do that in the streets here like nowhere else. Yeah. And it's like Sometimes the argument will be funny. Yeah. Like sometimes just the argument will be hilarious. Like I, I saw this um, this Indian couple mm-hmm. and they, they were not speaking English. Yeah. But I knew exactly what she was saying from the position <laughs> of that dude's head. Because that dude hit that pivot. He hit that 45 <laughs> where you just had the wrong and you just taken it. Like, and, it, and that to me was so funny. So yeah. I'm like. That That's, is funny. And I'm not necessarily always, I think the annoying thing, I don't know if you get this mm-hmm. when you do comedy, is people always think you're mining for for jokes yeah. and, and for stories. Yeah. I'm not necessarily mining. I just, I think that people are really interesting. Yes. And so like, if there's any glimpse into like that window into someone's life, even if it's for a second, then it's like, why not engage with it? Yeah. You know? I had a New York, New York couple fighting moment a few months ago, I was at Hillstone mm-hmm. and I was having dinner and there was a couple next to me and it was her birthday. They brought out this Sunday with candles and she like, they, the couple had been having a difficult meal. Like she, they, she was trading, like you could just tell it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And when the, the Sunday came out, she crossed her arms and she was like, I don't, I don't even want this. I don't even want to be here with you. And she shoved the Sunday towards the date. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, he was like, Ugh. she was like, I think I'm going to leave and I, as a joke, I was just trying to be like, I guess, disarming or cute or something. And I was like, well, can I, could I have that then? And she was like, please take this. I don't want to sit with him. And she gave me the dessert with the candle and she got up and left him there. And then he followed her out, but I hadn't even ordered food yet. So I said to the ice was like, can you put this in the freezer for me? And then just bring it out after. And they were like, sure. And I took it. <laughs> I, it was so strange that I was eating her like birthday cake and she was gone. She had the worst birthday ever. But that was kind of like a perfect New York moment of just like watching this couple collapse and then I kind of get a treat. But I also like, like, I like to imagine that guy because it, it's already hard enough as a man when you buy a woman a drink and then she just walk off with your drink. Like there's no conversation. That it's always like, thank happens. you. But it's also, this is so much worse because you bought, there's there's cake or pie or sundae or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And now you watch somebody else eat the sun. <laughs> uh, it's such a fail. It's such a fail. Thank you for coming on, Josh. Thank, thank you for having me. I hope it was at least mildly entertaining. It was so, I love, your mind is fascinating. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Sometimes I get to talk and I'm like, who wants to no, hear this? No, it was great. Okay, cool. Thank cool. you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.